Geopolitics and Empire welcomes back Bob Moriarty, decorated Vietnam veteran who flew over 800 missions and was the youngest naval aviator in Vietnam. He's a successful investor, author, founder of 321gold.com, 321energy.com. You can get all of his uh, books on Amazon. Welcome back, Bob. It's a pleasure to be back. It's certainly timely. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and we need uh, insights from you, given everything that's popping off. And uh, by the way, congratulations. Uh, last time uh, you were on, you, you went sort of viral on Twitter X, even though you don't even have Twitter X. One of your clips uh, I posted uh, via Geopolitics and Empire on Twitter got 200,000 views and even folks like George Galloway shared it. So I, I view that as a minor, uh, you know, a little bit of an achievement. Uh, actually not. Okay. <laughs> I, I was 199,000 of those clicks. Oh, okay. Okay. You're, you're, you're farming, you're, you're click farming, <laughs> farming now the, the clicks. Exactly. And, uh, I, I thought it would start with the bad news first. Uh, and, you know, I love the message you send me, uh, we're, we're going to war. Uh, and, and, and it looks like it. everything that's popping off. Of course, we've been talking about Ukraine, but the war is widening Israel, Palestine, uh, the Red Sea now, China has put itself on high alert, it said last week, because of U.S. inroads um, that are being made in the Indo-Pacific. North Korea uh, just put itself on high alert. Venezuela and Guyana are popping things off. Uh, it's it's happening, Bob. What's going on? What's your assessment? Okay, uh, you've got to step back a little bit and look at it from a global point of view. And this is a conflict between the debt-based system of the West and a resource-based system of the East. And everyone's picking sides. Now, uh, it, here's what's so terrifying, and I mean terrifying uh, to me, and I've been in a war. There are so many different players, and everybody has a different agenda. Uh, Doug McGregor or Scott Ritter, one of the two, said recently that we're sleepwalking into World War III. And, and I hate to say it, I am 100% on board with that. 99.5% of people are totally oblivious to what's going on. And what's happened is the United States and NATO have taken this position that it's just okay to start a war anytime you want to. I, I don't know what the number is. Somebody sent it to me, but uh, since 1945, the United States has been in something like 211 conflicts. And what's happened is the rest of the world now recognize, say, if the U.S. could do it, we could do it. Now, the U.S. is an empire in a serious decline. It's collapsing. The economy is going to collapse soon. This year is going to be a horror story because we're so close to either a revolution or a civil war and some of the things that are going on are so bizarre, it's crazy. But basically what I'm saying is because there are so many players, it could go nuclear literally overnight. Now, I, I will give the Hutus credit. Could you tell me exactly what it is they're demanding? Um, I guess the... I haven't checked recently, but I'm assuming stopping the support of, of of the war against them and the warships out of the Red Sea. No, no, no. They don't care about that. They think that's good, clean fun. The Hutus are saying, we want a ceasefire in Gaza. We want to stop the ethnic cleansing. They're not making any other demands whatsoever. Now, from an international legal point of view, uh, what they're doing, inter interfering with, with shipping, is illegal. From a humanitarian point of view, they've made very reasonable requests. 
And they're using asymmetric warfare, which quite bluntly is fourth generation warfare, and it's very difficult to beat. And the United States and the EU, or not the EU, the UK, have fallen into a trap. They're trying to accomplish something from a military point of view that very simply they cannot accomplish. Uh, Israel is doing the same thing in Gaza and they're saying that the objective is to eliminate Hamas, but in fact, what the the end goal is to run 2.3 million Palestinians out of Gaza and turn it into a seaside resort for Israel. They are failing. They are losing a tremendous number of casualties, and they're beginning to move their troops out of Gaza up to the border with Hezbollah. And if Hezbollah gets serious, uh, it, it's going to go super critical overnight. But here's the problem. You've got Syria, and they have their interests. You have Lebanon, and they have their interests. You have Iran, and they have their interests. You have Iraq, and they have their interests. You have Egypt, and they have their interests. You have the Yemeni rebels, the Hutus, and they have their interests. You have Saudi Arabia, and they have their interests. You have Oman. And obviously, none of these interests overlap. So the Hutus have effectively shut off something like 18 to 20 percent of the world's economy, and they're going to have to take the ships around uh the Cape of Good Horn, okay, in Africa, which is going to add to the cost of everything. When we had the COVID fraud, and it was fraud, the supply chains were broken. In the three years since then, we have started to rebuild the supply chains. However, they're still in tatters. At the very least, what the Hutus have done is going to shred the supply chains and the odds of the Strait of Hormuz or, or a Arab embargo of oil or an attack on the Saudi Arabian oil fields or an attack on the Iranian oil fields, all of these things could happen. And that will literally cause the cost of fuel to go up 400% in a few days. Uh, it, it's going to happen. There's too many people who think war is a good solution for it not to happen. We are literally sleepwalking into World War III. Now, what are the th some of the things that are scary? Last week, Blinken... The, the most hopeless American Secretary of State in history, came out and said the Ukrainian war has been a win-win for the United States because it brought so many jobs to the United States. And my question is, how many of the mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers of the five or 600,000 dead Ukrainian soldiers would agree with Blinken? And I think the answer is really close to zero. Um, we have so many things that could spin wildly out of control. Have you paid any attention, and, and you're probably more aware of this than, than even me, do you know what the nationality of all those people in Mexico that are crossing into the United States? And there were 300,000 of them last week. You know what their nationality is? Oh, what's it? We got a bunch. We got Chinese. We got Russian, African, uh, Middle Eastern. Uh, it's it's the whole world. But uh... there's one more that you're missing. Haitians. Okay, now when somebody comes to you and says 300,000 illegal immigrants are entering the United States and they're Chinese and they're North African and they're Haitian, what should occur to you? There's one question that should generate. Why? 
No, we know why. Hell, I'd, I'd, I'd do it myself if I needed a new cell phone and $5,000 on my credit card. Or, or, or what's going to happen, I, I suppose? I, I don't know. No. What, what, How did what? Chinese get to Mexico? I mean, that's a question a lot of people are asking as well. You know, how are they being financed and how they're uh, arriving, I guess. That's the question that we should be asking. Now, if you've got Haitians and you've got North Africans and you've got people from the Middle East and you've got Chinese, I mean, screw why they want to come. We know why they want to come. The question has to be, wait a minute. The, these, If you're Haitian, and you go somehow go from Haiti to Mexico, you you got to be the world's greatest swimmer. Okay, someone is financing this, and it's deliberate, and there's some kind of an agenda behind it. And while I don't necessarily subscribe to this being some kind of ulterior military motive. I, I will say that's certainly possible. Uh, most of these people are are young uh, age single males, and, and that makes sense too, because they have always been the first immigrants. But uh, the potential for that to turn into a fourth column is very real. And the extent to which even Boston and Chicago and New York have woken up to the fact, hey, wait a minute. Well, I, I, there, there's some hotel in New York that the city government has taken over. And I think they're spending $72 million this year to house illegal immigrants. California is bankrupt. Chicago is bankrupt. So we've got some interesting times coming at and. The odds of, of a fuel disruption are, are exceptionally high, 80 or 90 percent. I, I cannot see any way there will not be some kind of chaos in fuel this year. And, of course, when you do that, you just kill the economy. Yeah, and I just wanted to step back for a moment. Um, a few things you mentioned about the Houthi rebels and the empire in decline. Because some of the stuff that I'm reading, um, it's signaling seriously now the, the decline. First, the fact that I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but the Houthi rebels, as you mentioned, the asymmetric warfare, fourth generation, they're basically using, again, I'm exaggerating, $5 drones taking down million-dollar missiles of the empire, which just shows how financially insane you know the, the empire is. And then China Global Times... Yesterday, China comes out and says, um, in 2024, the influence and dominance of the West, whether in Russia, Ukraine, or Israel, Palestine, will continue to decline. And even establishment historian, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Niall Ferguson, publishes in Bloomberg uh, a couple days ago, says, he says, the Pax Americana seems to be uh, ending. So it just really seems <laughs> definitive. Uh and then add to what, what what you're saying as well, this this flood of migrants, that's a, yet another sign of, of the decline, no? Well, let me give you one that's even scarier. Uh, somebody did a survey, and they were surveying Republicans, and they were surveying Democrats, and 65% of the Republicans agreed that the Democratic candidates were so dangerous they had to be stopped. And something very close to that, 65% of the Democrats said that the Republican candidates were so dangerous they had to be stopped. And about 40% on both sides agreed that if violence was necessary, it was appropriate. I don't know, you know, if you go back to the Civil War, uh, you had the North and the South, and it was fairly clear which was which. And there were people in the South who moved to the North and people in the North who moved to the South. But there were clear lines of demarcation. How do you have a civil war when your next door neighbor is a Democrat and you're a Republican? But I see 
the United States coming unglued. Some of the things, uh, do you understand what the main Secretary of State just did with Trump? No, what 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 uh, happened there? He took him off the ballot. Oh, right. And uh, well, first Colorado and then Maine, right? Yeah, but there's a difference in Colorado. They did it legally. Okay. The court actually rules on, on a motion. Okay. Now, uh, the fact that that's totally illegal from a constitutional point of view, we will decide that down the road. But in Maine, the Secretary of State took it upon herself. Oh, by the way, I don't like Trump, so I'm going to take him off the, the ballot. That That's pretty scary. Okay, that's like going back to the 2020 election when the CIA and the FBI had their candidate. Okay, the American voters think they voted. They didn't vote. Even the guys that were stuffing the ballot box didn't vote. It was the CIA and the FBI who voted. We're we're in a really scary place. And given if you go back to 1990 and 1991, when the Soviet Union collapsed, they went some really tough times, but they had been through tough times, okay? The uh, the average American, if their food stamps don't come in at the first of the month, it's time to riot. So uh, many of the reasons that I left the United States are becoming blisteringly uh, obvious, and, and we're in for very scary times. And there's no right or wrong to any war. It's only war, and everybody loses. And I wish there were more people saying, hey, we need to stop this insanity. And actually, everybody shifts picking sides like it's some kind of a football game. And even the regime is telegraphing this it's like they want this to happen these oligarchic globalist interests you know i don't know if you saw the all these new films that are coming out there was this netflix film that came out produced by obama talking about how they're going to cyber attack um, us to take away our freedoms and bring in the digital currencies and then uh civil war there's a film literally called civil war that's coming out in april uh, the trailer was just released, and it's about how America is in civil war. And it's just, um, it, it feels like there's not enough of the populace yet that, that wants to bite uh, into this. But um, the powers that be want us to go this route because then they they can take try and take away our guns, take away our freedoms, uh, rearrange you know the decks, the the chairs and the decks of the uh, Titanic. And so you know McGregor. Uh, you know, who we both listen to says that he fears that there might not be any election uh, this year. So, uh, you know, any other thought on the U.S.? And, you know, I was going to ask you about the, the, the police state situation. It just continues to get uh, worse and worse. They're criminalizing thoughts now, censorship uh, and all this sort of stuff. OK, here's the deal. And this does go back to the debt based system versus the resource based system. The oligarchs always want to accumulate all the money and all the power. And because they got so much money, they think they're smart. Now, I, I went to high school at Fort Worth and we had all the kids whose dads had made literally millions of dollars in the East Texas oil fields. And these 15 or 16 year old kids thought they were the smartest people in the whole world because daddy had money. Well, the same thing's true of Bezos and, and Zuckerberg and, and all of these people think they should rule because they have a lot of money. But a lot of what they did was strictly accidental. They happened to be in the right place at the right time. If you study the history of Apple or if you study the history of Microsoft, both Steve Jobs and Bill Gates happened to be in the center of computing in the United States when they were going through high school. So they had 10,000 hours of experience around computers when nobody else had even touched computers. A lot of the things that Bill Gates does is just simply stupid. 
He wants to buy up forests in the United States, cut the trees down, and bury them to sequester the CO2. But here's the question, Bill. You need to answer this, you stupid fuck. Don't trees absorb CO2 and produce oxygen? Isn't, isn't that how the chemistry works? Um, I have always been a Mac user. You couldn't pay me to use a, a, a Microsoft uh, computer. And I've used Microsoft Word for years and years and years because I am hopeless at spelling. So I got a new computer that required me to get a new version of Microsoft Office, and I did, and I put it in, and I went to use Spell Checker, and it didn't work. I went, damn, that's the only reason I use Microsoft is because of Spell Checker. And I ended up buying a new computer and two full versions of Microsoft Office and spent an hour and a half on the phone with Microsoft Tech Support. They moved the spell checker. Now, instead of being at the top where it says spell checker, you have to go to review, and review takes you to spell checker. And they do have a spell checker, but now it's three clicks instead of one. And that's what Bill Gates consider progress. He's been kicked out of Africa, and he's been kicked out of India because his vaccines had unintended consequences where they were killing people especially young women, like crazy. Uh, Bill Gates has lots of dollars, but he has no sense. Yeah, and I, I would fully agree with your uh, assessment of these uh, elites, and they're going to destroy the world uh, in, in the process. And and speaking of the insanity of some of these people and, and idiocy, just one more thing on the war, I forgot to mention, uh, Iran, you know, going back to Israel, you had Lindsey Graham a week ago saying we need to bomb Iran, and you get John Bolton, of course, um, intellectual, right? John Bolton published an op-ed saying well, we need to get Iran. I mean, the, these people are insane. Any thoughts on how the Israel um, war might expand uh, or be used as a pretext to, to uh, finally oh, bomb oh, Iran? Yeah, of course. But let me point something out to you. The United States lost the war. If it, um, the war ended for the United States in 1975. But the interesting question would have to be, when was it exactly that the United States lost the war? And because I was in the military at the time, I've got a pretty good idea, because you weren't in the military, actually, you, you were a child, if if you were even around back then. The United States lost the war in Vietnam on January 31st, 1968. There was no chance whatsoever of them winning after January 31st, 1968. And you would have to be a real history buff to understand what happened. That was the beginning of the Tet Offensive. And after Americans having been told for years and years and years that sending 540,000 troops to Vietnam and tens of billions of dollars to fight a war that was not our war, we were winning. But on January 31st, 1968, we discovered much to our shock that we were not winning. Israel has lost this war. Now, we do not know how or when the thing's going to end, but they've already lost the war. And if you go back to October 7th of, of 2023, that's the day they lost the war. Now, it, it certainly looks to me more and more and more like a false flag. 
And a lot of information is coming out now. How many civilians were killed in Israel? Do you remember? I think in Israel, what, a couple hundred? No. Or up to? The, the figure that they'd like to use is 1,200. Okay. 450 of those were military and police. And under the Geneva Convention, Gaza has an absolute right of self-defense. An attack on the military, an attack on the police is absolutely legitimate. So if there were 1,200 people killed and 450 of them were legitimate targets, that leaves 750 people who were murdered, 750 civilians. And now it looks like 400 of the 750 were killed by the IDF under the Hannibal Directive, which says rather than be taken hostage, we're going to try to kill you. Now, when I was forward air controller, the greatest sin you could ever commit was to kill your own troops or wound your own troops. It is official policy in Israel to kill their own troops. And the absolutely daft thing is the, the objective of Hamas wasn't to go kill a bunch of people. The objective of Hamas was to capture as many hostages as possible because nobody ever talks about this. But there's 5,000 hostages in the Israeli jails who never been charged with anything. They've never been convicted of anything. They're just in jail. And Hamas's objective, that's perfectly legitimate objective, is to trade our hostages for their hostages. So uh, we're, we're starting to realize that the whole thing may have been set up by Bibi Netanyahu, stay out of jail. And, and just so, that, on that note, because on Geopolitics and Empire, uh, one of my writers, Ian Davis, published a really lengthy piece uh, titled "Was Al-Aqsa Flood a False Flag?" And I, I, as you and you would agree, I, I that it's a potential scenario. But then my question is, if Israel is is not so strong itself, and Netanyahu himself is is facing. Uh, trouble um why do something like this or, or, or you know there there are different variations let it happen on purpose as daniela ganser says lee hop or make it happen on purpose the, the false flag um why go through with it if, if if you can't follow through if now if, if it now puts as you said israel lost the war and so now it's in a really weak position you know versus our our version 9-11 where then we use that to carry out the global war on terror but in this case Israel has now found itself in an even weaker position, no? Uh, here's what happens, okay? When the United States comes to you and says, hey, we've got a really bright idea, let's go fight somebody. They went to Le Z Zelensky, and Zelensky said, hey, the most powerful country in the world is going to finance my corrupt government and give us all this money and all these weapons. What a wonderful idea. When, when I was 10 years old or 12 years old, I was a skinny little thing. And whether it was picking a team for basketball or picking a team for football or picking a team for baseball, I was always the last one picked because I was a skinny little thing, okay? When you're going to go to war, don't go to war with an empire in collapse that's lost every war it's fought since World War II. And the United States didn't win World War II. The Russians did. They killed 80% of the Germans who died. The United States has been uh, in, in a, a vacuum those idiots in Washington, and Lindsey Graham is the leader of the fools, talk to each other. And what's even more dangerous is they listen to each other. 
The United States has got all these weapons and these aircraft carriers and these submarines and all this magnificent stuff that we paid trillions of dollars for. They go to Netanyahu says, hey, you know, if you go attack Gaza, we'll, we'll supply you with 2,000 pound bombs until you run out of jet fuel. And Netanyahu said, hey, you know, I could stay out of jail. But what he didn't understand, and it's so simple, when you go to war, you don't want the smallest, skinniest kid. You want the biggest, meanest dragon that you can hire. Israel made a fatal mistake. Uh, the former head of the IDF Air Force came out on the 8th or 9th of October, and he said that Israel has fallen into a trap. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and it's going to sound a little egotistical, but damn, I spent 20 months at war. I got some idea of what war it's all about. The Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans and the Iranians and the Hutus are winning this battle 99% to 1, okay? If you look at what those idiots have done in Ukraine, they have destroyed that country. And the CIA goes to Zelensky and says, hey, we'll give you these sea shadow missiles. Why don't you go attack a bunch of civilians? And that will piss Russia off. And they'll do something, and we then we can attack them. The CIA always thinks tactically. But if you're going to fight a war, you have to think strategically. And the CIA and the American military does not have a strategy. They didn't have a strategy in Vietnam. I used to ask people, okay, tell me, this is such a great war. How are we going to win? What are we going to do that's convinced the NBA and the Viet Cong to stop fighting? Nobody could ever come up with an answer. What is the strategy in Ukraine? Well, the strategy in Ukraine is keep throwing soldiers in until you run out of uh, Ukrainian blood. Israel bet on the wrong horse, and they're going to pay a real price. And if they think Hamas was a bunch of nasty motherfuckers, they haven't seen anything until they've seen Hezbollah again. And Hezbollah is going to flatten Israel, and that's going to change the name of the game. And Israel thinks, well, we use nukes. But Ergenon has just told Netanyahu, hey, if you use nukes, we go to Pakistan, we'll get some nukes too. Russia has started feeding any aircraft missiles to Syria and to Lebanon. And one of these days, very soon, they're going to shoot down 10 or 15 Israeli jets. Israel and the United States and the EU and NATO are betting on the wrong horse. And they keep trying to expand the war, and they keep losing, and they're not learning. If you're going to go into a bar and start a fight and go up to the biggest biker in the place and tell him that his, his girlfriend is ugly, you are going to get your ass kicked. But if you're going to get your ass kicked, what you need to do is you need to learn from it. Do not walk into another bar. Do not insult another biker's woman, because if you do, you're going to lose the remaining teeth you have. We keep losing, but we have learned nothing from it. And on this strategy, I recently had Brian Fairchild, former CIA officer on the podcast, who said the same thing um, that you did, that. He he see he saw the same thing from inside that the CIA doesn't have strategy that they're failing that they're losing uh, and um, I did want to turn towards the economy uh, as well. It just it's it's looking bad. I mean, inflation is eroding the middle class, particularly in the U.S. but even worldwide. Um, any thoughts on de-dollarization? We're seeing more and more countries now creating bilateral deals, um, cutting out the, the dollar. Uh, I think Iran and Russia just did that recently. And so any thoughts on the state of the dollar, uh, the, the the global economy, and, and you know, things that people can do to um, prepare? Uh, that uh, you, you got to the most important point. The, the U.S. stock market 
is further away from reality than it has ever been in stock market history. It's being supported by seven stocks. And if those seven stocks were neutral, uh, the Dow and the S&P and the NASDAQ would have gone down substantially. We're going to have a crash. The dollar is going to collapse. Inflation is going to go higher. And the scary thing is, which happens first? Now, I believe, and that's just based on my experience in the military, I, I believe the single biggest danger right now is some kind of disruption to the the oil system. Uh, in 1973, at the time of the oil embargo, uh, Arab oil embargo, the price of oil went from three bucks a barrel to twelve bucks a barrel literally overnight. I see that happening. And the scary thing is the Hutus could attack Saudi Arabian oil fields and they've threatened to. Israel could attack Iran's oil fields and they have threatened to, and they really want to. Okay. Uh, the strange thing is, I'll tell you this idea that Iran is behind everything going on in the Middle East is like climate change. Okay, climate change is responsible for everything. If your favorite football team loses in, in the Super Bowl, it's because of climate change. Uh, I, Iran is not behind Hamas. They're not behind Hezbollah. They're not behind uh, much of what's going on in the Middle East. However, they have similar interests. The United States would love to attack Iran. Uh, Israel is just breathing hard. They've got all these nuclear weapons and they want to use them. And what they don't realize is that they use nuclear weapons. Uh, Russia has aircraft loaded with hypersonic missiles that could be nuclear tipped flying over the Black Sea 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I am certain, and we will learn this one day, I am certain they've gone to Israel and said, hey, Israel, think about this. You fuck with us, we're going to fuck with you. Did you see what the United States just did with the, the Eisenhower? I think it just came back, no? Okay, why did they do that? Because they're losing? <laughs> no, worst. They don't have the supply? Now, worse, worse. They were threatened, I don't know. The lifespan of a U.S. aircraft carrier in combat today is very similar to the lifespan of the battleship Arizona at Pearl Harbor. Okay. Aircraft carriers are no longer viable. They are now targets. I, I flew off aircraft carriers, and thank God I didn't have to do it in combat, because that's, that's, that's the worst part of combat, it's taking off on an aircraft carrier. But I had to, in training, land on aircraft carriers. When you're at 10,000 feet, uh, they look like postage stamps, and you look down at it and think, damn, I, I don't think there's any way I could land on that. But somehow you manage to get through it, and you do it. If you're a hypersonic missile, it looks like a football field. Hey, man, this is really great. Look at that target. Uh, they pulled the Eisenhower out because it became real obvious to the United States. Uh, we're about to kill five or 6,000 American soldiers. So uh, there's some scary stuff going on. I wish I could see some responsible leadership. I wish someone would say, hey, we need to back down for this stuff and stop being so stupid. Now, if you saw what uh, uh, Ukraine did uh, just before New Year, so that, that was insane. That was an attack on a civilian target. They killed, I think, 24 people, something like that. And, and they pissed Putin off. Now, he's not stupid enough to overreact, but he just flattened a big part of Kiev today. Uh, the West 
uh, the debt-based system, the EU, NATO, and the United States need to look at Ukraine to say, you know, we made a mistake. We started a war, a war that had no purpose whatsoever, that we couldn't possibly win, and we have lost the war, and that's a really bad idea. Why don't we sit down with Russia and get reasonable? Lavrov and Putin and the Chinese are the only sane people. And I hate to say it, that goofball in, in North Korea, compared to Blinken, he sounds sane. I would agree with that. And, um, you know, and, and apparently this is going to be in China. This is the year of the dragon, which is fitting symbolism, uh, I think. Uh, and then we've been talking about sort of the, 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 the decline and the idiocy of the West, Brussels, London, Washington. You know, any, any other thoughts, projections for 2024 and beyond? And then uh, maybe for the East, you know, the, the multipolar world, BRICS, um, do you see them moving forward uh, ahead? Uh, yes. And I think that a lot of non-aligned countries are going to look at what's going on. Uh, when when Russia uh, put a resolution in front of the Security Council to to demand a ceasefire in in uh, Gaza, it, it was the United States that vetoed it. Bibi uh, Netanyahu just came out again and said that the IDF was the most moral fighting force in the world. He's to the point now, he should just close his trap. He sounds like a blithering idiot. Nobody believes him. Nobody believes Biden. Nobody believes Blinken. And they need to learn from their mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not making enough decisions. However, when the eraser on your pencil wears out before the lead, God's trying to tell you something, and we're not learning uh, from it. Uh, we've got so many things. You listed about 10 issues with the economy, every one of which is true, every one of which is dangerous. How can you prepare? And the answer is there isn't very damn much you can do. Uh, we're at... an exceptionally dangerous period of time and should it go nuclear have you got any idea what most people are going to die from i would guess starvation no thank you exactly okay the idea that the russians or the chinese or even the north koreans are going to drop a a nuclear weapon down your chimney that ain't going to happen unless you're living next to the pentagon okay however and strangely enough, we don't even need nuclear weapons if the Strait of Hormoz closes or the Red Sea stays closed or the Saudi oil fields get bombed or the Iranian oil fields go get bombed. You could just flush the, the world economy for the next two or three years. And in fact, should that happen, a lot of people are going to starve to death because the supply chains are going to be totally broken. Uh, I happen to have a, a relatively minor medical issue that requires me to take a special shot periodically. There are three different variations that I could get, the primary and then two, two secondary generic sources. I talked to my doctor, and my doctor said there are thousands of medications that we can't put our hands on because the precursors and the drugs come from China, and China is tired of, of the United States whacking them. So uh, behind the scenes, China is breaking parts of the supply chains. Did you see literally what happened? Let me think of the country. Either Belgium or Germany, there, there's a EU country that makes the machines 
for doing uh, chips, okay? They draw up the pattern for chips. And they signed a contract with China, and they were filling the contract, and the EU just came out and said, no, because of the American sanctions, you cannot fill that contract. China controls rare earth elements, period. And all China has to do is cut off supply of rare earth elements to the rest of the world. And there will be no more televisions and there will be no more iPhones. We, we, we're, we keep pulling the pin on hand grenades and acting like, well, nothing's going to happen. I'm just pulling the pin. Well, actually, pulling the pin on the hand grenade is no big deal. It's not until the spoon flies off that you got a big problem. And, and that's exactly where we are now. But even the medical industry, and I would highly suggest people talk to their doctor and say, is there any way I can get a three-month or a six-month supply of medication? Something like insulin is literally a life-or-death issue. And uh, a lot of medications are, are in shortage now. They're not going to go into shortage. They're already in shortage. But the chances of the food supply system breaking are substantial. And I, I don't know what the cost of gasoline is in the United States, but if it goes up fourfold, it's going to whack the economy. Yeah, and and you know, I got another question. Um... And I don't know how much of it it's it's on your radar, but it's one yet one more thing. Given everything that that we've covered, that, that I do worry about, and I, I think I've asked you about this before. And you know, we've talked previously about the whole Great Reset project and all all that's under that umbrella. But one of the other things that I kind of worry about is the technological, you know, technocratic con control system that they're trying to build out with like digital ID and CBDCs and cashless systems and the, the surveillance and, uh, you know, be, then being, if they get advanced with that, then they can just deplatform us, debank us. Uh, and then, you know, it'll, they'll make it difficult for us to function in societies that on your radar, do you think that's going to, um, not going to succeed or, uh, is that something you might be worried about? Actually, not at all. And for a simple reason, I have read history books. Now, you can pick up any history book from any time frame, and it is not the story of the brilliance of the leadership of all the countries in the world. It is a story of the leadership of all the countries in the world doing really stupid things and it boomeranging on them, okay? And we got the Civil War, and we got the Revolutionary War, and we got World War II, and you got World War I. I. I mean, it's every history book is a story of failure of the elites. Now, if you're Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg, you know you're the smartest guy in the world because you got a bunch of money. But my my best friend in Miami is Colonel Sanders' grandson, and he said something that's very true and very honest. And he said, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. These people are not going to take their money with them, okay? It's going to evaporate. It's going to disappear. There are some things that are so obvious that it amazes me that people miss it. We've got about 330 million people in the United States. Will you accept that? Yeah, that's the number I generally go with. Okay. How many guns have we got? Oof, was it hundreds of millions now? How about 400 million guns? Okay. Now, there's something that's really scary. Okay, this is truly scary. Called called the the uh, I I just had a brain fart. Where they take everything in every bank account and seize it and give it to the banks because the banks are broke. It's not the Great Reset. The Great the Taking group. by David uh, Weber. I was just it, looking at a clip yeah. this morning. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
it's going to fail. Because, okay, when, when it sees everybody's money from the banks and it sees all their stocks and it sees all their houses and all their cars, they go home. They haven't even got money for beer anymore. And they start thinking about and think, you know, I got my 3030 in the front closet. Why don't I go shoot some banker? Okay. Uh, the, the, the great taking is really wonderful. I, I'll, I'll give the guy credit. Absolutely. He did a lot of research, and it certainly appears legal that should the banking system collapse, or better put, when the banking system collapsed, the banks just seize everything. Wait a minute. Okay. Now when your neighbor has 1.3 guns per person, okay, uh, there, there are things that are exceptionally predictable. And as much as the Democrats would like to take guns, do not go knocking door to door and say, excuse me, can we have your gun? Oh, yeah. Here, let me get it. Okay. So uh, there, there are things that people want to believe, like the great taking, that are simply not going to happen. And there are things like the great reset. Another trick question. This could be a horrible thing for me to ask. Have you ever read any of Klaus Schwab's book? Oh, no. Thankfully, I, I haven't. I've, 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 Plans to because I want to get. Sometimes I like to get inside the mind uh, of a madman, but uh, no. Well, strange enough, it, it's his 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 technical guy, uh, Harari. He's the guy that you need to get into the mind because he's shit house rat and crazy. But uh, because I was in the military, because I was in combat, because I was an intelligence officer, I believe you need to know the capability of your enemy, and you need to know the intentions of your enemy. So I, I, I ordered all of Klaus Schwab's book. Now, I, I've written about 10 books, okay? I, I happen to be a rotten speller, but I'm a good writer, and you go to YouTube, or you can go to uh, Amazon, or you go Lulu. I've, I've got 10 or 12 books that I've written. I've been on the New York Times bestseller, not New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller less three times. I, I know the difference between good writing and bad writing. Klaus Schwab is not a big thinker. He's not a good writer. It's crap. It is pure, unadulterated crap. But what he's done, he's set up this fraternity sorority, very wealthy, very powerful people. Uh, people from the entertainment business, these guys all get together and say, God, this is so cool. I'm with the rich and powerful, and they're going to rule the world. Bullshit. They've been trying that for 5,000 years, and it's been failing for 5,000 years, and nothing has changed. The Great Reset's going to fail. I think it's already failed. Uh, people have woken up to the fact that COVID was 100% bullshit. People have woken up to the fact that the Ukraine war was 100% bullshit. They're waking up to the fact now that the whole Gaza-Hamas thing is 100% bullshit. But what we have done is we have stirred up this cauldron of 15 or 20 nation states all of whom have conflicting interests. And it is a very scary time because of that. What we're not hearing is very much sanity. And I love listening to Lavrov. And I actually love listening to Putin because they tell the truth. And even the Chinese prime minister, what did he say about uh, Taiwan? Oh, I, didn't, I missed that. What did he say? No, no, in the last day or two. Oh, that we, well, they're going to come back together, or exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now he's he's not pussyfooting around. Okay, he's not like the United States. Oh, we don't know why Russia attacked Ukraine. Well, gee, because you paid the Rand Corporation millions of dollars in 2019 
to set up the scenario that Russia would attack Ukraine, it, did it really come as a surprise? From a legal point of view, I don't give a damn what you think personally. From a legal point of view, Taiwan is part of China. China has said we are going to reunify with Taiwan. Now, I hope the people in Taiwan, the leadership of Taiwan, is looking around at the Ukraine and looking around at Gaza and saying, you know, maybe the United States is not the best dance partner. If they had any sense, what would they do? I mean, I think you laid it, laid it out objectively. Um, <laughs> join China. Duh. They're going to. Okay, we can do it in a friendly way, or we don't have to do it in a friendly way. Uh, while I disagree with many of the things China does. I am not saying China is a world leader in ethics or technology or anything else. China does some some pretty one-way stuff. No question about that whatsoever. However, you can do it peacefully or you don't have to do it peacefully. And I would think the guys in Taiwan are smart enough to say, while we have the power, why don't we sit down at at the table and negotiate. And I would actually be very surprised if those negotiations aren't going on behind the scenes right now. Because if you look at the American military, and I was in the Marine Corps for six years, I look at the American military now and say, this is the worst leadership that we have ever had in American history. Uh, at the time of 9-11, there were nine four-star generals. Okay, there are 40 now. Okay, what do we need? 40 four star generals. Go look at any picture of George Marshall or Dwight Eisenhower and count the medals. Okay, and you'll see a row or two of medals. And then you look, take a look at these buffoons running the American military. And they, they got. They got ribbons from here to here. They've got an I was alive in 70 medal. I was alive in 71 medal. I was alive in 72 medal. Uh, I was alive in 73 medals. They're giving medals out for attendance. Okay. None of them have ever won a war. I mean, you cannot compare someone of Eisenhower's stature to, as you say, any of the buffoons today. Um but uh you know and and you know just mentioning as you as you're talking about well china i listened to xi jinping's new year's message it was about 11 minutes you know i do have to admit he did mention uh you know a number of good things but uh i he he's also got some of that great reset ideology he was lauding how the chinese are learning to live a low carbon lifestyle what he actually said so anyways putting that aside you know i started we started with the bad news first uh, to, and to end with a with some good news, uh, some some white pills, which is a lot of their evil plans are going to fail, which I think is good news. And I, and I I would agree with you. I think looking at history, um, all these things eventually fail. But uh, as you say, it's going to be a difficult uh, road ahead. And so, you know, any other or, or, or final thought for us? When you're in Miami and there's a Category Five hurricane. That's 50 miles off the coast. Hopefully, you've prepared. But what's going to happen two days later? It's going to hit. No, it's going to be in North Carolina. We somehow make it through all this. Is it going to be bad? And I want to be crystal clear here. 2024 is going to be a bad year, and there are so many black swans flying, it looks like midnight in, in the middle of the day. I'm not sure which one's going to crap on us first. However, I know there's a lot of them flying, and I know a lot of them are, are going to crap. We're going to make it through. We always do. 
that's uh i think the best note to end on and as always bob great chatting i'm sure we'll talk again in uh, a couple months your website's three to one gold.com uh, three to one energy.com uh, i've got a bunch of your books on digital format i gotta get them in physical uh, but people can get your books uh on amazon lulu and everywhere books are sold uh thanks for being back on geopolitics and empire uh, it is always a pleasure, and I do want to compliment you. I had said this off screen, but I should say it on screen. I, I think you have across the board the highest caliber of people to interview. Uh, I, I think uh, the work you do is just really important. I think you do a great job. And other than the fact that I don't see my books on your bookshelf, uh, I wish you'd do something about that. I'll be working on that. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I, I, I think I've heard that before. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.